And then we all want to welcome those, and I want to say welcome home. Welcome home to some that are here today as well. Amen? Amen. All right. And we want to welcome those who are watching online around the world on the internet, on Facebook right now. We welcome them into the service. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And let's start off with verses 1 through 10. I have a message. I think it's going to light some fire in your spirit this morning. You want a little more fire in your spirit? All right. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Let's do this. Now, after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week began uh, to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to, to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone from the door. Man, that just always strikes a chord in my spirit right there. And sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became, became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the, uh, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb and uh, with fear and great joy and ran, to, and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. Jesus' first word to his disciples, Rejoice. I love that. And they came and held him by, uh, and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So, hey, this is uh, Resurrection Sunday if you haven't figured it out yet, right? This is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the day of celebration for Christians, and really, it's really a day of celebration for the whole world, right? I mean, because it said that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Right? There's some people out there who have not made him Lord yet, but guess what? That provision is still there. And when they do come to him, man, they're going to thank him for his resurrection. Amen? So I entitled this message today, The Reality of the Resurrection. Say reality. It's a reality. His resurrection is reality. Now, a man named Lee Strobel, he was an atheist. How many of you heard of Lee Strobel? All right, some of you have. Um, he, he was an atheist, and when he took on the mission to discredit the Word of God, to discredit the Christian faith, to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ, during his investigation, he found so much evidence that confirmed the Word of God, he became a Christian when he wrote, was trying to write that book. There is so much evidence that points to the Word of God being true. So much evidence pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He became a Christian and he's wrote several books since then. He said these words. I love this. He said, It would have taken more faith to stay an atheist than to become a Christian because of the overwhelming evidence that confirmed the truth of the Word of God. 
Man, I love that. The fact is this. Let's break it down. Those who are atheists or agnostic, agnostic means it's just someone who says, well, there's a higher power. You ever heard someone say that? Well, there's a higher power, right? I mean, that makes more sense than being an atheist. Really, there's no atheist. Let's just face it, right? I mean, you look around. I mean, look at creation. I mean, there's an intelligent designer. Amen? We know who he is, though. Amen? But, um, you know, the fact is this, those who claim to be atheists and agnostic, they really have not honestly sat down, read the word of God and did a study for themselves. Because if they did, they would come to the same conclusion that Lee Strobel did. Come on. He sat down and he was going through all the evidence and the Holy Spirit pricked his heart. And his eyes were opened. The scales fall, fr- fell from his, eye, uh, from his eyes, from his heart. Billy Graham. How many of you know who Billy Graham is? All right. He said this. He said, if I were the enemy, an enemy of the Christian faith, I would try to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the resurrection is at the very heart of the Christian faith. The re- I mean, brothers, sisters, if you don't believe in the resurrection, flat out, you're just not a Christian. That is the, the foundation. That's the bedrock of the Christian faith. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's take a look at this. The reality of the resurrection. It is reality. It is truth. It really happened. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 22. Let's take a look at And it says this, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. See, he had to rise for us. He was the first fruits, it says. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did, uh, whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, worthless, vain. (laughs) Basically it was saying you are still in your sins. You see, It was awesome that Jesus went to the cross and died, but to make it final, he had to rise from the dead. He couldn't stay in that tomb. If he was still in that tomb, we'd still be in our sin. Amen? Amen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or who have died uh, in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men the most pitiable. (laughs) Man, those are some pretty strong words. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by uh, by, by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive." In other words, when Adam, man, when, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they rebelled against God, Jesus came back to reverse that curse. I, I mean, are you catching this? What, what Adam and Eve forfeited in the Garden of Eden, Jesus was the second Adam, the Word of God says. We can have that fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus made a way. Isn't that good? Now, 
So the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is making the point loud and clear that if there is no resurrection from the dead, we our faith is in vain. I'm up here. I'm just wasting my time. We might as well go home, put on some fat pants, and watch Gilligan Island reruns, right? But the fact is, but the fact is, we believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? We believe who he said he is. Amen? The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that if Christ didn't get raised from the dead, man, you guys are wasting your time. And then he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, man, we are, we're pitiful, pitiful. This is, we're miserable. This is crazy, he's saying. The foundation hinges. The foundation of the Christian faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He had to be resurrected to complete his assignment to redeem mankind from from their sin. Go to Romans chapter 10 quickly with me here. Romans 10. I'm going to show you just how important this is. It's right here. See, I can stand up here and say it, but if I give you evidence from the Word of God, you see the evidence, our faith is built on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let me show you some word on it here. Romans 10, 8 through 11. But what does it say? The Word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, here it is, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, you must believe it in your heart that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That's where you got to start right now. I run into so many people, you know, who say, you know, James, I don't even know, honestly, if I'm saved. Well, I always take them right back to this this passage that says, first of all, you have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, I believe that. Then you're saved. that That is the key right there, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you seeing how important the resurrection is? All right. Jesus took the keys back from the enemy of death, hell, and the grave. If you're a Christian, let me just say this, because people, I've been telling you, this is one, you know, many people live in fear. And and the Holy Spirit was showing me, here's the root cause of any fear that you're ever going to have in your your life. You ready for this? The fear of death. It always comes down to the fear of death. Nobody, nobody wants to think of that, right? Right? I mean, it, 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 it rocks you when you start to think of that, your mortality. But the fear of death, listen, it cannot stay. If you're a Christian, you should not fear death because your, your death from this earth is simply a transition into the presence of God if you're born again. Amen? Now, I will say if you're not born again, yeah, there's probably something to be concerned about. Are you following me? All right, so just you know, the fear of death. I mean, that is the biggest stronghold the enemy uses in people's lives. All right? So I want to give you a few points that are going to strengthen. I say all that to bring it to this. I want to give you a few points that will strengthen your faith in the resurrection. Number one, there was an empty tomb. Duh, right? All right? But one of the arguments, I say that because of this. One of the arguments of the skeptics is that the enemies of Jesus stole his body out of the tomb. 
Now, let's just think about this. If the enemies would have taken Jesus' body out of the tomb, wouldn't, you know, if you were an enemy of Jesus, wouldn't you have stolen it out of the tomb and, and propped him up and said, See, he's dead. Are you following me? Right? All right? If the enemies would have taken his body, they would have shown the people his dead body to prove that Jesus was still dead. That did not happen. Another lie uh, of the devil is that the disciples stole Jesus' body. Well, let's talk about that. First of all, there were guards by the tomb. Are you following me? There was a huge stone in front of the tomb. All right, so this is not something that they could have easily done. This thing was locked down like Fort Knox. Are you following me, people? This thing was locked down. So obviously they did not steal it. The apostles and the disciples and others that literally saw Jesus, listen to this, and spoke to him after being resurrected from the dead, listen, were willing to lay their lives down. Are you following me? And take persecution for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it was a lie, would you do that? Not me. Not me. If the resurrection was a lie, the gospel would not have spread like wildfire. Come on. The gospel, I mean, without satellites, without television, without radio, man, this thing spread like wildfire around the world because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't die for a lie. Would you die for a lie? If you knew it was a lie, would you die for it? No way, no way. See, these Christians were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was indeed resurrected from the dead. The followers of Jesus would have never sacrificed their, their lives. Like I said, if they knew it was a lie. Now, I know what some people might be thinking because a thought hit me too. It said, well, you know, what about people who are in cults, in false religions? They die, right, for what they believe in, right? Right? I mean, I, I kind of thought of that. But I'm talking about Jesus' followers. If they knew they, they, what they believed was a lie, if they knew it was a lie, they would have never laid it down their whole life down. They never would have. See, these people in false religions, they actually think that's the truth, so they're dying for it. But if they knew it wasn't the truth, I guarantee you they would not die further for it. Are you following me? All right. So, um, I know that the resurrection took place because Satan and demon spirits fight this truth of the gospel so hard. Out of all of the religions, out of all the spiritual beliefs on this earth, Christianity is one of the most rejected and controversial on this earth. There is an agenda on this earth to eliminate Christianity, but it's never going to happen. Are you following me? Who do you think is behind that motivation? Oh, yeah. Come on. Now, you look at all these other religions, these, these false religions and stuff. I mean, they're being pushed. I mean, you look at Hollywood. They're pushing all these things. Oh, but you, you go to Hollywood and you mention the Lord Jesus Christ. You go to Hollywood and you mention Jesus in the gospel. Oh, now, wait a minute. That's going to offend someone. Why? Because it's the truth and Satan knows it. Come on. I don't know what bigger evidence there is other than that, Right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual battle on this earth. Amen? 
See, cults and false, false religions, they say that Jesus was just a good man. He was just a prophet. They reject the fact that he was the son of God. He is the son of God. They reject his deity and the truth of the resurrection. The enemy has tried his best to distract the world and Christians from the true purpose. Listen, there are two events. Are you following me here how the enemy's doing this? There's two events, the birth of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. The enemy has come up with two distractions to try to distract people from those two truths. Are you Come on. Hello. Anybody breathing out there tonight? Today? <laughs> come on. Two events, the birth and the resurrection. Figure it out for yourself, the distraction. There is a reason why out of all of the religions, Christianity is the most controversial. It's the only truth. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. This is crazy. The Bible is banned. I googled this. It's banned and illegal in 52 countries around the world. Are you kidding me? The Bible and prayer have been taken out of the public schools of our very own country, the land of the free. Well, is it? Huh? Come on, somebody. All right? And then people wonder why our children and schools and society are a mess. Well, you know, when you kick God out of the school, there's a big vacuum, and there's one individual that will come right in, the kingdom of darkness. Satan will come in, and he will just wreck it. When you kick God out, there's only one other option to come in. Come on, somebody. Amen? All right. So the enemy hates everything about Jesus, but especially the proof of the resurrection. See, Mohammed and all these other leaders of false religions, they're still in the grave, but not Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. And you need to understand that this is not a fable. This is not just some good bedtime story that we teach to our children. The resurrection is reality. The resurrection is a reality. Jesus was beaten. He was tortured. He was crucified on a bloody cross. He was put in a tomb. And the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Amen. Think about it. Man, this is, I mean, when you, when you stop to think about it, it's pretty wild stuff, isn't it? Right? Go to 1 Corinthians 15 again. Let me show you something here. 1 Corinthians 15, and let's look at uh, verses 1 through 8 here. Just some more evidence, more evidence. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in, in which you stand. You see, we stand in the word of God, amen, the truth. By which also you are saved. Oh my, underline that. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Wow. Ooh. That tells me that once saved, once saved, always saved is not true either. In fact, the word says that your name can be blotted out of the book of life. To be blotted out means that it was once in. Are you following me? And this says stand fast in the truth. Oh my, yeah, I know, I know. It's tight, but it's right. Listen to this, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, 
in that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep or some have passed away. After that, he was, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen also by me also as by one born out of due time. So here's, here, look at this. This is crazy, right? So Jesus was raised from the dead, all right? It just, he just wasn't raised from the dead, and then he just kind of went in the woods and didn't do anything. No, 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 no. He was raised from the dead, and he was seen by over 500 people at one time. And he was seen by multitudes, all right? So listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the victory. It's, like I said, it's the bedrock of our salvation. Jump with me to Acts chapter 1 here. I mean, Jesus was literally showing up to people. This is crazy, right? Man, I mean, this is, this is some good stuff. Look at this, Acts chapter 1. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive. Here it is. After his resurrection, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Many infallible proofs. Say infallible. Now here's the deal. Infallible, right? This is the definition of it. Incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. In other words, it takes a fool to reject all the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't just show himself to a few people. It says after his resurrection, he was literally walking the earth 40 days. 40 days. Jesus resurrected. Wow. Now, so Jesus was not a spirit being, by the way. He was literally raised from the dead. He was literally flesh and blood. Go to Luke 24. You know, a lot of people, you know, they'll say, well, yeah, okay, he was raised from the dead. Yeah, yeah, we get it. He's God, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. No, it's no different than if you died and you were raised from the dead. Jesus was flesh and blood after he was raised from the dead. Look at this. Luke 24, 36 through 42. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So even they fell into it. You know, Jesus just pops up and shows up in the room and they're thinking, man, he must be a ghost. He must be a spirit, right? And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For Here it is. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they, but while they uh, still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you, have you any food here? All right. 
So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. This is just wild, isn't it? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he, he took it in their presence and ate it. Now, Jesus proved that he was very much not a spirit. All right, He showed him his hands. He showed him the feet, the scars in him and everything. Jesus literally was going out of his way to say, Look, I am not a spirit. This is me. This is the Jesus that you were walking with in my earthly ministry for three years. Some knew him in his whole life. This is literally me. Here, touch me. Feel me. Wow. There was, now, there was a certain individual that really struggled in himself with doubts about Jesus being raised from the dead. Let's end it on this one. John chapter 20 is the last uh, scripture I want to take you to here. John 20. Jesus ate in their presence. A spirit does not eat food. Amen. (laughs) The resurrection is a reality. Hallelujah. John 20, uh, 24 through 31. Hallelujah. Man, we serve a risen Savior. Amen. Everything the Word of God says is absolutely true. The devil knows it. Amen. Now Thomas, called the twin of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. Again, Jesus just popped in. I love it. Now, by the way, Philip was transported. You remember that in the book of Acts? It said that he was transported. So what Jesus is doing here, listen, it wasn't just because he was the Son of God. The Holy Spirit literally transported Philip. You can look it up for yourself. Now we're getting into deeper waters here. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Man, the supernatural power of God's amazing. Amen? Jesus said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. See, we all got to come to that point in our life to say that. My Lord and my God. Jesus said, verse 29, He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. That blows my mind. Jesus did many more things. They're just not written in the Word. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to open the Word up to us. We need the author of the Word. That's why Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to show you more. He's going to open the Word and take you deeper. Amen? Now, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written 
that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Evidently, I don't know what it is, but God feels he put enough evidence in the word for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? See, Thomas would not take the other disciples' word about Jesus being alive. So the disciples and Thomas, they had this conversation, right? Well, eight days later, after that conversation, eight days later, they were in this room and Jesus just appears. And he shows Thomas the scars in his body and even says to touch them. Now, I'll tell you, that's, that's some grace right there. Jesus didn't have to do that for Thomas, right? What I find mind-blowing out of this is this point right here. Jesus had to say to Thomas, all right, now keep, keep in mind now, Jesus is standing in this room, right? And you can see the, the scars in his hands and in his feet, right? But Jesus still had to say this to Thomas, do not be believing, or do not be unbelieving, but believing. Are you kidding me? I mean, Jesus, isn't this enough? Isn't this enough that you're standing here? Thomas is literally seeing you right now. But Jesus still had to say, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Does anybody else find that mind-blowing or what? He was standing right in front of him. And that tells me this right now. Are you ready for this? It tells me that your natural fleshly mind will always try to fight when proof is right in front of you. Right? That's why miracles don't even save someone. I know some people, they've seen mighty miracles of God. I mean, mighty miracles, signs, and wonders. They were once on fire. They're backslidden. They're gone. But they've seen the power of God. There needs to be a change in the heart. It has to be a heart change. Amen? A person's heart must be bent toward faith, toward believing the truth. Amen? That's why the Bible says this. It says to hear the word of God. It just doesn't say hear the word of God. It says hear the word of God mixed with faith. Mixed with faith. Don't ignore the massive amount of evidence that's all around you today. It's all around us. That number one, there is a very real God that created everything. I don't know about you, but every time Marianne and I will go for walks at night and we walk out. We walk out of our garage and I look up, my goodness, the stars in the sky. It's amazing. Creation, creation testifies of the Lord. This is not by accident. There, nothing has ever been created by an explosion. Hello, come on. Nothing has ever been created by explosion. We are serving the true and living God. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I love how Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Faith in Jesus, faith in the word of God will release blessings in your life. Amen? I have one final point here, and it's this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reveals to all of us there is no such thing as a hopeless situation on this earth. God is able to turn any situation around. We serve a God of breakthrough. No situation. There is nothing. There is nothing that God can't turn around. 
Listen to me. Jesus, he was beaten and tortured and he was dead and put in a tomb for three days. That seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Whatever it is that you're going through, God can turn it around. Church, allow that truth right now to ignite faith and hope on the inside of you and press in and seek him with your whole heart. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. There, the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ is reality. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You're here. Maybe someone invited you, a family member, and you're here. And you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. See, you might not have tomorrow. And once you take your last breath on this earth, it's done. Game over. Your eternity is sealed forever. Eternity. Think of that. I know that's hard to even comprehend. But listen, if you hear my voice right now, you can hear my voice right now. Your heart is beating. You are breathing. You still have time to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to come to this altar. Just meet me in that corner. After service, I want to pray with you to be born again. Let's get your life changed, turned around. Come on. So you can live in heaven for eternity. Amen. Now, here, the next thing I want to talk about, maybe there's someone in here. Maybe you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life a long time ago. But man, you've fallen away. You you know, in fact, if you were to drop dead right now, you really don't know if you would go to heaven. That's too big of a gamble. That's too big of a gamble, right? In fact, that's Sometimes that's even more dangerous, right? Someone who thinks they're okay, but they're not. If you want to just rededicate your life, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's, let's say a prayer to rededicate your life so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's a no-so experience that you will be saved, that when you take your last breath, you will be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. If that's you, just meet me in that corner. I want to pray with you after service. Now, if you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, Jesus said that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, it's in the Word for a reason. God wouldn't put it in there if He didn't want you to have it. And it's to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It's to, it's to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to people with power. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, meet me in that corner as well. Maybe you're in this place, you need a prayer for healing. You need a prayer for a family member, for yourself, emotional healing, whatever. Whatever it is, you need a prayer. You need someone to come in agreement with you. Meet me over there. But Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is indeed a reality. And Lord, I pray as these people leave this building... I pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray it would become so real on the inside of them, Lord, and that you would minister to each one throughout the week, Lord God, that whatever they needed to hear from this message, whatever point they needed to take and apply to their life, Lord, I pray that that would stay with them. And Lord, encamp them with your holy angels and their vehicles, their homes. I just speak blessing over every person in this place, Lord God. Just shower them with your love. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys have a blessed week. Tuesday prayer call, Wednesday prayer here. 
And we'll be back here on Sunday. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. We love you.